All right, you got your camera? You got a bag? You ready to go? Jump on in. We're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to December, the quiet, busy time of year. But there are still lots of opportunities to get outside. And that's what my podcast is really all about. Eyes for the road. Get outside. Be out there with your camera. Enjoy the nature and the landscapes that present themselves. So with that, today my special guest is Patty Tarby who is author of California Vacation Paths, a step-by-step guide to breathtaking sites. And she's going to highlight various places in California, as the title suggests. And I'm in California as well. And if you're looking for somewhere to take your family or multi-generational to go for the holidays and celebrate, you can do a mix of celebrating and a mix of outdoor activities that combine different generations. And that's what Patty's book addresses. And some of my tidbits to add to that, if you check my show notes, I've got links to Yosemite National Park. There's some great places to stay within the park. You can go snowshoeing. You can take advantage of their photo walks. You can take advantage of a little bit of skiing, uh, hot chocolate by the fireplace in the historic hotel. Lots of opportunities for interacting with your family and being outside with nature. So that's a wonderful place to go. And if you're trying to escape the cold, you can hit the coast. The light at this time of year is incredible. The central coast is full of places to photograph that are a little bit smaller and quieter. Not your hustle bustle of Santa Monica or San Francisco. But even those cities are wonderful places to gather your family, gather many generations, and have a variety of activities to do. You can find um, ice skating rinks. You can find lighted gardens. Descanso Gardens here in Southern California near Los Angeles has a lighted forest. Wow, what a great place to take your camera and just play with the different settings and make some really interesting photographs. You can also take advantage of going to the beach. It may be a little quieter. There's some incredible sunsets that happen. So lots of places to go this time of year and lots of ways to include your family and still be out with your camera. So let's take a listen to Patty Tarby. And thanks again for joining me. Thank you everyone for joining me. And I've got author and photographer and explorer Patty Tarby with us today, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction. And one last tip, I'm going to apologize again about the audio. It's something I'm working on, but um, let's take a listen to Patty and hear about her book, California Vacation Paths, which is still available on Amazon. And thanks everyone for joining me. Thanks for joining me today, Patty. Thank you. So um, tell us about your journey and your interest in California travel. Okay. Well, um, quite a few years ago, I began traveling along the regions of Highway 395. 
and I was day hiking in gorgeous places like Rock Creek and Mammoth Lakes. I think people think of uh, Mammoth Lakes as just a ski resort, but it's actually a beautiful hiking area to go in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of kept traveling up Highway 395 and went into the uh, northern park area of Yosemite National Park and eventually continued down into the southern area, also beautiful areas. And then I traveled um, into Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks, um, another beautiful area. There's so many absolutely beautiful uh, places to walk or to hike. Uh, And then I later on traveled um, from uh, Los Angeles um, north along the California coast to Santa Barbara, Pismo Beach, and Morro Bay. And I was absolutely awestruck with all the natural beauties. yeah, California it's, uh, is just, it's, it's a wealth of different landscapes. It is, and many people miss so much of it. And uh, people from Europe actually come to California. And, you know, it's very well traveled by the Europeans. But anyway, I started taking a lot of photos, and uh, and I actually started writing poems about each of these um, six areas. Um And then uh, I was working at the time, and I was talking with my coworkers and my friends who went to all these areas, but uh, they missed seeing what was, to me, the prettiest places. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started writing about them. And um, I spoke then with uh, many of the park rangers and Chamber of Commerce staff, visitor centers and uh, local people of the area and then I learned a lot of fascinating facts so I decided to go ahead and write a book uh, about all of these six areas and I listed all of the activities in chronological order mm-hmm. so that it would be easy for people to just go to one area and just follow along um, Every, with everything in order. And then I listed eateries and lodgings. And, um, and then at the end of each of my six areas, I ended it with an appendix of facts of the areas and then day trips to and from each of these areas. And also, um, well, uh, kid faves so that there would be things that, children liked and also I included all in each area wheelchair activities because I just felt like everyone, everyone should be able to experience that, you know? Right. And that was just important because there are a lot more travelers that are older or maybe, you know, have some mobility issues and oftentimes they think that some of these national parks or state parks or natural areas are kind of, you know, they don't consider that there are ways that they can enjoy them. So to provide that information is excellent. What a a valuable resource. Yeah, I just felt I wanted everyone to see these inspirational places, actually. They're just 
just amazing, and um, and I did find a lot of areas that were open uh, to people in wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is great. Um, so what if, what places really did you find fascinating or inspiring? Well, as I was going up um, Highway 95 and some of my first uh, travelings, uh, one of the first places that I thought was amazing was Mono Lake. Because even from a distance, when I was traveling up the highway and I looked over and saw all of the, the white, uh, salty shore of the lake mm-hmm. uh, and with the blue water, it's just amazing. It's an amazing sight. And so when I got up close to it, I went on the South Tufa Nature Trail and it, to me, was something that I'll never forget. Um, there's all these white limestone, actually, but they call they call them tufa mm-hmm. formations, and they actually are formed underwater. Um, and when the salty water meets the underground fresh water springs, these tufa flowers start forming, and then as the water receded, it left them on shore. So you can actually walk among them, and some of them are up to 20 feet tall. Wow. And they actually do have bird nests on on the top of some of them. And it's just like a, a mystical place. It's just unbelievable. It's really beautiful. And then um, another place I uh, really... Um, loved and felt uh, actually almost spiritual was Saddleback Lake. It is very close to the um, northeast entrance to Yosemite National Park. And when you go in there, it is at the start of the lake. Uh, it's 10,000 feet elevation. It's up very high. And there are boats crossing the lake. And on the other side of the lake, there's a loop trail, which leads to many small lakes. And even uh, in the fall, you can get early snow. You are up so high that a snowstorm can just blow in there at any time. And... When you start out, it might be a warm, sunny day, and then suddenly you're looking for a jacket. <laughs> it just it gets so cold quickly there, but it's an amazing sight. It really is. You just feel like you're walking up in clouds, and you're surrounded in clouds because you're up so high. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a corner of Yosemite I don't think I've explored either, so that's that's interesting. Yeah, it's just before you actually go into the park, and it's um, very close to the entrance, just a few miles, but there are signs there, and of course, I give a complete description and directions in my book, too. Yeah. And then, um, I also liked a lot uh, a park called Montana, the Oro State Park which um, has a beautiful 
bluff trail, which runs along the very edge of the ocean. And when you look down from this trail, you see the sea crashing up on rocks, and it is the color of the water there is just absolutely wonderful. And that's quite near uh, Morro Bay. And I did write a lot about that particular trail. And just recently, I learned that they have put a um, wheelchair-accessible path along there. Oh, nice. So, so that everyone can really enjoy that area. Yeah. That is, that's a, that's a, the central coast area is just full of some gems. Oh, and I really, that's the part of the book that I really enjoy going because you just keep finding things when you keep looking. That's so true. That's so true. Um, I just kept finding things and, um, writing about them. And I was really excited about them, um, because so many of my friends had been, to the same areas, and, and they said, no, I didn't see that. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. So, so writing yeah. the guidebook itself, um, how long do you think that whole, I mean, you've probably been kind of collecting things for quite some time, but then to... Oh, yes. Yeah, I think uh, altogether, when I first started writing, and when I finally put the book together, of course, I had a lot of, you know, updating to do, but... Um, it took uh, close to 10 years. Oh, wow. Of, uh, yes. And um, talking to people and taking photos and gathering information. And um, at the end of the book, I did have um, many people check all of the facts to see that they were true. Right. So what do you and think some of the challenges are in writing a guidebook? Well, one of the challenges in writing a guidebook is that everything changes. <laughs> uh, I'm not just, I'm not talking about just restaurants and hotels that you might list, but there are many storms, fires, floods, landslides, and they alter the trails oh. and the landmarkings and the structures. Um, they change everything. And even though you have a big fire, let's say, um, by a year or two, you, you may go back there and things may be, have regrown and, and look all beautiful again or even prettier than before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is true. We often don't think about the natural changes that can occur that can affect some of these areas. Yes, because the immediate damage, of course, you think ruins the beauty, but nature has a way of healing itself and coming back, and a year or two down the road, it can be more beautiful than it was to start with. So that's amazing. Yeah. So do you have some favorite places that you'd recommend for people that are looking to go places in November, December, and January? Oh, yes, um, because um, that is one of my favorite times um, in uh, Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park. Um, I do like to snowshoe, and that's a perfect place to go. 
Um, there's a special path, uh, which I talked about in my book, that leads among these huge, giant sequoia trees. And it leads out to our nation's Christmas tree, oh. which is what the, one of the trees was named. And then on the second Sunday in December, they do sing Christmas carols there. Oh, wow. Um, if it's snowy, and uh, of course you can just walk the trail, and it's beautiful any time of year, but in the snow, it's exceptionally beautiful when there's snow on all of those beautiful trees. And um, if you have children with you, they could even build a snowman along the way. I've seen many children doing that. Well, and some adults, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, one of my favorite places to stay there is called Mancito Sequoia Lodge. And it's especially wonderful with kids. Um, they have children programs there. And one nice thing is that all the meals are included. Oh, And wow. they will, yeah, they will babysit your children if you want to go out <laughs> on a hike that's not, you know, exactly kid-friendly. Um, they have all kinds of programs. Um, in the winter, they have cross-country skiing, snowboarding, snowshoeing, and even ice skating in, on their small lake. Uh, of course, in the summer, that small lake, you, you can swim and go canoeing. But in the winter, it's just beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so a that wonderful was... idea for something. I mean, I don't think it gets quite, the Sequoia and King Canyon, I don't think get quite the attention that some, you know, like the Yosemite gets as a mm-hmm. destination or to take your family. That's excellent. And, and Yosemite, of course, is a wonderful place to go during that during the winter. Also, um, the southern park area gets um, a lot of snow, actually, and uh, when the trees are all coated, it's just absolutely wonderful. If you're a photographer, especially, mm-hmm. um, and then. Um, As you come into the southern entrance, there's a grove of trees called the Mariposa Grove. Um, The walk through there in the summer is quite warm, but it's beautiful. But in the winter, it's it's just very beautiful. And if you go from the Mariposa Grove and keep going further into the park, you will come to Bridalville Falls and then eventually uh, Yosemite Falls. And early in the morning, you may see the falls frozen solid. And what a sight that is. What a sight. Wow. Um, And then sometimes you hear these loud booms. And that's because as they thaw, the ice will plummet down to the ground. And then you'll just hear these booms. Yeah. Yeah. it's it's really an amazing sight, and there is skiing, snowboarding, cross country skiing, snow tubing, and snowshoeing at Badger Pass in Yosemite. Mm-hmm. And they have rentals, and it's just a wonderful place to go. I do like to ski, so and that's a wonderful place to ski. It's so beautiful. Yeah, oh, it is. It's, 
I've never amazing. Been there, but it just just to, to be in Yosemite when there's a fresh snowfall is <sighs> it's so it's just such a different world and there's there's I still think yes. there's a lot less crowds and it's quiet. You can find areas oh, yes. where you're just alone yes. with nature and can and there's a wonderful hotel, the Hawani Hotel. And, of course, it hosts the famous Christmas Bracebridge Dinners, mm. which is a huge, over three-hour feast oh on eight evenings. And they have these 17th century pageants with music. And, of course, they're all in costume, and it's, it's amazing. It is an amazing, amazing thing to experience. So that is also one of my favorite places. And I still do love Mono Lake um, when the snow is on those uh, Tufa Towers and it, they just sparkle. Oh, wow. It's just beautiful. And the walk through there, oh, it's just amazing. It's very quiet and the stillness and the beauty it's just magnified of course there isn't as many people either in the winter Mm -hmm. so to take photos there it's just a photographer's paradise oh wow and they do have um great cross-country skiing very near that lake uh well actually it's on the lake uh navy beach Mm. in the old marina Mm -hmm. Areas of the lake do have cross-country skiing, too. And many people don't know about that. I was just going to say, I I didn't even think that, you know, it's so open on that side when you're over there by the lake. It's hard, you know, you come up to that elevation, it's hard to imagine it with the snow and the frozen lake, but it sounds incredible. It certainly is. It's just an amazing site. The visitor center there does close December 1st. However, you don't really need the visitor center to just experience the, the, the beauty there. Mm-hmm. So it is nice when the center's open also, though. And then the other place that I think is one of my favorite is Morro Bay. Um, and I do like it in the winter because there are no crowds, and you can go whale watching. That's quite a sight to see. Oh, yeah. Wow. And they still do have their boat, boat um, cruises out in the harbor, so you can still do that, and you can still walk on the Embarcadero. I can't even say that word, Embarcadero. Right. <laughs> They have a lot of shops there and a lot of restaurants. And, of course, you're going to have a lot of fresh fish uh, in those restaurants. So it's really a nice place to eat. And uh, also there, uh, the Museum of Natural History has wonderful views of the entire bay. When you go out on their deck, it's just, it's just beautiful. And the area has a lot of uh, wine sipping, which I like to partake in also. Yeah. And in the winter, of course, the hotel prices are very low. So it's it's a nice place to go in the winter. And they do have a new thing called the 12 Days of Christmas, which I've never been to. But it's held December 1st through the 12th. 
and they have Santa Claus for the kids, and the local carols come out, and it sounds like an amazing thing because they have events every day for 12 days. Oh, wow. Which we just add to the beauty of going there in the winter. Right, and going with friends or family for something, you know, different and unique and take advantage of the lower prices. That's great. You know, yes, and you can, you know, bring your kids and they'll be entertained as well. So uh, it's something for everyone there, I think. Yeah. It's very nice. Great. Are there any places that you find, um, I mean, California is full of places, which is why your book is really invaluable because there are a lot of guidebooks but i don't think um yours in particular i really like because of the way it's laid out like you address you know you have the certain sections and just the trails and tips for families and um all of that um are there any places that you feel are a little bit overrated or well certainly in the summer more than the rest of the year, of course, usually these places are visited mostly in the summer, like mm-hmm. Yosemite National Park and Death Valley, and they are so overcrowded. Um, Yosemite, I think, especially in the southern park area, is vastly overcrowded in the summer, and the temperatures they just soar. It's just so uncomfortable. Right. Um, and later in the year, um, it's just so much more comfortable. And the same is true about Death Valley. Um, many hikers have even passed away, you know, from the heat. Oh, yeah. And so I, winter is a better time to visit both of these areas, I think. So, yeah, I would agree. And that that brings Mm -hmm. up another point. If you're out exploring, do you have some tips for people? Because, you know, often, you know, people do, they get excited about visiting a location, but they might not often think of some uh, tips for safety or, or, you know, for exploring any, any of these areas. That's so true. I think the best thing um, is that I can talk about is just to visit in the four seasons and to visit each area in the season that is best for it. Of course, there's beauty and things to do in the summer that you can't do in the winter. Mm -hmm. But if you could visit not just in the summer, but take some vacations and or just weekends and uh, any time you have to visit the places uh, in, in all of the four seasons or in the winter in particularly. And also to follow paths and trails that are right for everyone in your party. So if you're bringing children with you, then you need to find places that children are going to enjoy. And if you do have older people what they're capable of doing, or people in wheelchairs. Um, I try to point that out in in my book um, because I saw that there were a lot of um, young children, and I do have three young grandchildren Mm -hmm. (laughs) that don't want to go on these long trails. And so you, you take them to the places that 
is better for them. And there are plenty of small trails that lead to uh, waterfalls and that are more exciting for the kids. So I think it's really important to just pick the right trail or the right walk or the right activity for everyone in your party. And I tried also in my guidebook to put things in sequential order so that you wouldn't be jumping around. So if you're in your car and you're driving along in one of these national parks, especially, you don't have to backtrack and run around and jump around to different areas. You can just follow along and you'll see by looking in my book, what's coming up next. And and, and if that's something that isn't suitable for your party, you just go on to the next one. And so that's the way I always write, is um, putting things in order. Yeah. And making it easier. That That is, and I think that's really important to point out, as you mentioned, um, choosing activities that are right for the group of people. You know, um, you know, some of us are still pretty active, but a lot of times you're with a multi-generational travel, you need to consider the the needs and abilities of everyone for an enjoyable time. Yes, uh-huh. and kids get bored very easily, <laughs> so you need things that really excite them. And I tried to uh, at, write about it, you know, and at the end of each chapter, I did put in there uh, what kids would like. And I had them with me many times, so oh, I know smart. from experience. Yeah. <laughs> tried it out, tested and true. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's true. So when you plan your own travels, do you have um, certain travel sites that you like to use yourself? Well, I like TripAdvisors. It actually, for me, it tells the truth. People tell the truth. They give their opinion, um, which is helpful when you're trying to plan a trip or choose a hotel. and you read maybe 10 different views, and if eight of them at least are giving wonderful rays and wonderful reviews, then it sounds like a place I want to stay, for instance, mm-hmm. if I'm looking at a hotel. Um, and if it gets a lot of bad reviews, then I think twice about booking there. Of course, there's always going to be you know, a few... Um, bad returns, most likely, anyway. But if you go with the majority, it, it, it seems to work out well. And right. that's what I've done. And I uh, found that to just be invaluable. It just really has helped me. So that's what I always go to first. <laughs> Great. Well, do you... Um... I hope you everyone's enjoyed listening. Um, do you have any other books that you think that you'll be pursuing in the future? Or? I haven't um, thought about that as yet. Um, I have thought a few times about adding other areas to this book, but that is to be seen. Right. <laughs> That's in the future. Right. Nothing in the works right now. <laughs> Well, it's a wonderful book, Patty, and thank you so much for taking time. The name of the book, again, is California Vacation Paths, a step-by-step guide to breathtaking sites. And 
as Patty and I have been chatting, it's divided into six various regions. It covers Highway 395, Death Valley, Mono Lake, the Central Coast, Yosemite, a lot of fabulous places to that could fill weekends and many family vacations. So um, please check out Patty's book. It's still available on Amazon. And the website is CaliforniaVacationPath.com. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And that's where um, the photos are that I took of these six areas. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Patty. All right. Thanks for listening to Patty Tarby with California Vacation Paths. It is the holidays. I do have photographs on Fine Art America if you want to check that out. If you're interested in any of my upcoming 2018 trips, those are on fallphototrips.com. Hope you'll send me an email if there's a guest or area you'd like to see featured. My email again is april at aprilart.com. Happy holidays and enjoy your winter travels.